Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. All right, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Give your neighbor a high five and say amen. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. (laughs) Well, hey, one of the things that we did not mention uh, last week in verse 4 was this uh, shift that happens. We see the language of Psalm 23, and he's, he's talking to, about God in an ob- objective sense. How many know there's one thing to talk about God? There's another thing to talk to God. Come on. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about God, but they don't really say those things to God very much. And so what, he ta- what he's saying is he's saying, listen, the Lord is my shepherd, and he, he does all this kind of stuff, and then he gets personal. And we see this happen last week when he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we, we talked about that last week, but we see this shift that changes from, from God being some abstract, objective, distant God to God being up close and personal in David's life and leading him. Isn't that amazing? Let me tell you today, there is a difference between the declaration of God of who he is, which is great, and the revelation of knowing who God is. You know, it's, it's the difference between in your life you recognizing that God is good, right? You can go, God is good because the Bible tells me so. That's information, it's great. It's good information. You can have the whole Bible memorized and have great information about God. But God wants to give you revelation about God. He doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to experience his presence in a real and a tangible way. So he changes the language so it's no longer objective, but now it's intimate. It was factual, and now it's personal. How many know that God is personal in your life? And so don't just, well, listen, when you're going through a hard time, when you're going, going through a difficulty, don't go, well, God is good. Go, God is good to me. Because there is a big difference in that statement for you to say, you know what? God's good to me. And I know that this is hard, and I know the world isn't good to me, and I know the devil's definitely not good to me, and sometimes I'm not good to me. But you know what? God is. God is always good to me. So let come on. That will always be your declaration. Don't just recognize the goodness of God. Experience it. Amen? And so he continues with this tone of you. Then he says this, you prepare. Everybody say prepare. You prepare a table. Uh, The word prepare there in the Hebrew is arak. Everybody say arak. And that means to arrange, to set in order, or to ordain, and paying fine attention to detail. 
Do, is anybody in here a cook? I know Jeremy's a cook. If you, if you know anybody that's a cook and they invite you over for dinner, you're probably not going to get like a microwave meal or they, they, might not, they might not even be as fancy as to go to Sam's and get one of those frozen lasagnas. You know what I'm saying? That's like fancy meal. You get the frozen lasagna, you put it in the oven, you even got bought like the bag salad with the dressing in it. And that's like fancy on the nice paper plates right there. But listen, that sounds great and all. But, but when we start talking about God preparing a table, man, God pays attention to the finest details. He breaks out the finest china. Come on. He has the best centerpiece. He has the best table. And he prepares a table for us. He prepares a place to feast. Uh, Leslie reminded me of this story years ago. How many of y'all have ever been to a Brazilian restaurant? Oh, glory to God, a Brazilian steakhouse. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm just experiencing the glory right now. And so I remember my dad said, you know what? I want, to, I want y'all to get some sitters. We're coming into town, and we're going to take you and Leslie to, uh, I forget the name of the, the place. This Brazilian steakhouse is probably called, uh, no, it's not Rafa's. It's, it's, it's a better one. Anyway, so he said, we're going to take you to this Brazilian steakhouse. We're like, oh, sweet. We've never been to one of those. And if you've ever been, man, you walk in, and it's, like, super nice. You know, you got actually got to, like, tuck your shirt in and stuff when you go in. And you sit at, like, this table, and these guys come running out, and you have this little, little. Uh, it's kind of like a doll. It's a coaster. It's red, and then on the other side, it's green. And so if it's on green, it means go. That means it's just going to bring you meat until you quit, stop eating. And then when you turn on red, it means stop, I've had enough. And so when we, it was something that we could have never afforded to do on our own. Come on. But because my daddy is a good daddy, he said, we want to take you to the steakhouse. And we sit down there and we feasted, baby. And they brought the finest details, the finest meat. Man, they're cooked. Howdy, would you like it cooked? Oh, man, give it to me. Medium rare, baby. Come on, just, just peel it off. Woo, just shaving that meat on. Some of you getting hungry right now. And they are preparing. What are they doing? They're preparing a table. So it wasn't something that I could get on my own. But because I have a good father, he was able to provide that for me. And how many know that God doesn't just prepare a meal, he actually prepares a table for you to eat that meal? And so he says this, he says that he prepares a table. Now that word, uh, table, when we look at that, one of the words that can be translated table is the word mesa. Y'all know what the word mesa is in Spanish? It's mesa. I know a few words in Spanish, that's one of them. In fact, we got a picture of a mesa right here. If you spend any time in West Texas, you'll see mesas like this. You guys have seen them before. It's an elevated a spot of land where it's flat on top, and uh, that's, that's the word mesa, which translates table. And so also, in one of the African dialects, mesa is also table. And so what a good shepherd would do whenever he would prepare a table, a place for his sheep to go and eat, is he would go up on that mesa or on that fat, flat spot of land, and he would start looking and making sure there's no poisonous weeds. Because if they ate those weeds, it could make them sick. It could possibly kill them. He'd pull up those weeds. He would go and he'd inspect the watering holes to make sure there's no parasites in there. He would go and inspect and look behind every bush to make sure there were no predators there so the sheep could come in and enjoy that safe pasture that we've been talking about, that they can go in and they can feast at this table because he has prepared a meal for them. How many know that God prepared the perfect meal for you in the man Christ Jesus? And there is a feast in Jesus. And listen, it is not some after church sandwich crock pot fellowship. It is a feast, baby, and it is the most glorious thing you've ever eaten. It is a spread for real. And so when we talk about that, we're, we're, we're not talking necessarily just about what we would have in mind with a little table and a little plate. It's like, you know, it, with my kids, 
And sometimes, like, if I'm with the kids and Leslie goes away and she's like, well, I'll just get them lunch. And, you know, that's for a, for a dad, that's like, oh, my gosh, like, how am I, how am I going to do this? Well, we have, like, some microwave chicken nuggets. You know how it is. You go, the ones that you bought from Walmart, you go in the fridge, you open up, they're shaped like dinosaurs. And it says on there 100% real chicken, which is interesting that it has to have that on there. Um, but you, you put those in, believing God that those are 100% real chicken, and you put them on a little styrofoam plate, you stick in the microwave for 30 seconds, pull them out, you squeeze some ketchup on there, there you go, you prepared a meal. That is not how God prepares a meal. Come on, I'm a good dad. That's not a decent meal. It's okay, I guess. It'll, it'll hold them over till mom gets home. But, but the reality is, is God prepares a much better meal than that. And l- let me just say this. It is not according to your need when God prepares a meal. See, we think God always, always, always answers us according to our need. God doesn't answer you according to your need. God answers you according to his goodness. Are you with me? Philippians chapter 419 says, my God will supply all your needs according to what? According to what's in the fridge? Nope. According to what job you got or what friends you have? Nope. According to his riches and glory. Whose riches and glory? His. Not yours. Thank God for your job. Come on. But he'll provide your job no matter what job you're doing. He'll provide more for, for you there than you can even imagine if you'll take the time to eat there. If you're time to, if you take the time to, to eat what the Lord had prepared for you at that job, because a lot, a lot of times we're just eating what our job has prepared for us at that job, but not eating at our job what God has prepared for us at that job. So God doesn't feed us according to earthly need, but according to heaven's provision. It's not what's in your pantry. It's not what's in, on your schedule. Those are great things, but God has more in store for you. Psalm 3410. Even strong young lions sometimes go grow hungry. Strong, ambitious young lions even go hungry. Isn't that sad? But check this out. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. What is that saying to us? That's saying, listen, you can have all the ambition, all the strength, all the personal development in your life, and you will still go hungry. But if you will trust in the Lord, you will lack no good thing. Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, says this. He, everybody say he, escorts me to the banqueting hall or the banqueting table. So what's that saying? That's saying the king comes and he gets me and says, hey, I've got a banquet. I've got a party. I've got a meal prepared for you. Let's go. Let's go eat the meal that I've prepared for you. And I love how it says it right here in the New Living Translation. He escorts me to the banqueting table. It's obvious how much he loves me. Did you know it's obvious how much God loves you if you will eat from his table? You will experience the goodness of God. You will experience the goodness of God if you will eat from his table. But sadly, most of the time, we're not eating from the table of the Lord. We're eating from the table of the world. So we go to our job and we say, this isn't the table of the Lord. I'm just here to punch a clock. And God's like, I got a table for you there. But check out the tone here. He prepares a table before you even in the presence of your enemies. Now, hold up. Before I go there, let me also say this. Sometimes, sometimes in a meal, a big festival, a big banquet, there are going to be things that you don't like to eat there. Right? 
Yeah, I've shared with you guys uh, a, a little bit about the season of discouragement that I went through. And uh, when I was sitting with my counselor, one of the last sessions, this is what he said. He said, Josh, sometimes you just got to eat whatever the Lord provides. And I was like, dang. Say it one more time, Pastor. I mean, I was like taking notes. I was memorizing that. I've, I can't tell you how many times that I've repeated that since then because the Lord has shown me, listen, sometimes, sometimes it's not what, I, what my palate prefers. Sometimes it's not what I want to eat, but it's still what the Lord provides. So, yeah, I want steak and potatoes, but today on the menu, it's chicken and broccoli. Chicken and broccoli is okay, but I would rather have steak and potatoes. But you know what I found? I found that if I will eat, Steak and, or chicken and broccoli, can't even say it. I found that if I try new things, God will expand my palate. I found that I will have, acquire a taste for things that I didn't know I liked if I will just eat from the table of the Lord. So just because you don't prefer the flavor does not mean it's not his provision. So just eat what he provides. So like, Lord, I need this to happen, and I need to have it this way. Listen, I believe it will happen that way. And I believe the Lord wants to meet your taste buds, but I also think he wants to expand your taste buds. So go ahead and just eat whatever the Lord provides, and maybe you'll taste something that you've never tasted before, and you'll like it. Come on. So he says this. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of your enemies. Now, you think about a man at war, right? He's fighting, soldier, and he's, you're thinking about him, you know, going through it like we are in life, man. We're just going through it. And we think, if I need to eat, what am I going to do? I'm going to have like a, like a replacement meal shake, right? I'm going to have like a, like a replacement meal bar. I'm going to eat something that's quick and easy, right, to get as much protein, as much calories in my body as I possibly can so I can go fight. But that's not what he says here. It says that he, who, we're talking about God here. God is a good supplier. So he says he prepares a table before me, a place of feasting, even in the presence of my enemies. So when your enemy's there, and let me tell you today, your boss isn't your enemy. Some of you, God wants to change your perspective. Listen, the devil hates you. He is, he is your chief enemy. But in all reality, we have three enemies, Right? We have three enemies. We have the devil, right? We have the world. Now, when we talk about the world, we're not talking about people. We're talking about the systems of the age, right? Then we have our flesh, right? You know that thing you have to lay down when you want to be selfish, right? That thing that we, when you have to say no, that, that's your flesh you're saying no to, right? So you have three enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh. But how many know that we are dying to our flesh, Jesus defeated the enemy, and we are overcoming the world. So there is victory inside of you. So even in the presence of your enemies, there is a feast. And because we have such a capable shepherd, we are able to feast even when those enemies are present. Let me say that again because I think you missed it. Because we have such a capable shepherd, we are able to feast when our enemies are present. So it's like here comes the devil or here comes my dysfunction Or here comes the tension that I'm dealing with. You know what you need to do in that moment? Feast. Put that fork in your fist and eat, baby. Just eat right there. Man, it's all hell is breaking loose around me. Just eat. Just eat. I can't catch catch a break. Just eat. 
I can't stand my, just eat. Just eat. Just feast on what the Lord has for you there. See, the reality is, is we will all suffer persecution. Now, when I talk about persecution, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about somebody disagreed with you on Facebook. Right? We will all experience difficulty. We will all experience trials and hardships. It's, it's as promised as the provision to overcome them. And if we, let me say this. If you don't have a few enemies, you're not being like Jesus. I, I know that you think Jesus was just all super nice to everybody and just this great unifier. Read the Bible. Jesus, Jesus was also a great divider. Right? He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I brought, came to bring a sword. <laughs> I came to bring a revolution. In fact, Jesus was hated so much by people, it ki- got him killed. I thought he laid his life down. He did, absolutely. But, people, it, but the, the hands of people are the ones that put him on that cross because of the things he said. Y'all okay? All right. Romans eight seventeen. Since we are his children... We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Yes. Don't you love that? I'm an heir. I'm, a, I'm receiving the inheritance. Yes, Lord, I'm your child. We did a whole series on this. We love it. We love God. We want to share in your glory. Yes, yes, yes. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Second Timothy says this way, says it this way. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You're not always going to be liked. Get over yourself. I have to tell myself this often. Get over yourself. Not everybody's going to like you. In fact, more pe- a lot of people would despise you for being godly. Well, nobody hated Jesus. No, a lot of people hated Jesus. Even his disciples in some hours rejected Jesus. So don't think you're getting out of it. But even in the midst of those enemies, persecution, abandonment, come on, destruction, torment, all those things, even in the midst of your oppressive hour, God establishes a banquet. He provides a place for you to feast. See, freedom is not the absence of difficulty, but victory in the midst of it. It's victory in the midst of it. It's going on, man. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer. I get it. I need prayer, man. I, I, it's, it's going so bad. It's, it's going, I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, freedom is eating while the battle is raging. That's what freedom is. Freedom is whenever it is going down, and it is hard, and it's difficult, and it's oppressive, and I don't know how I'm going to get through today, but freedom says, you know what? I'm just going to pick up that fork. I'm just going to eat. It's hard, but I'm just going to eat because there's a feast here. It's hard to eat right now because a lot's going on around me, but I know God has something here for me to eat, so I'm just going to get that fork out, and I'm going to eat. Let me say this about freedom. We hit on this last week. Is that God wants to partner with you in this process Many times when we talk about freedom, we want a lightning, lightning to strike us and us be free. That's not the way freedom works. God uses us to deliver us. Remember David before Goliath? Goliath came out. David's like, I'm going to take you out, sucker. Your days are limited, right? The Lord will deliver me, deliver me, you, 
into my hands. Like, I, you're getting deliverance today from your life, and I'm going to get deliverance because of your death today. I'm going to take you out. The Lord is going to do it. And who did God use? God used David. God wants to set you free from some things, and he wants you to do it. One of the things that would happen in ancient Eastern culture when they would have these banquets is that uh, they would position guards whenever they had a, a party and there was a guest coming in and they were coming to a feast. They would say, man, you know what? Let's get out our finest soldiers and let's protect these guests like we were protecting the king himself. And so what they would do is during that festival, during that place of feasting, they would set guards outside and inside to make sure that you could feast well. And this is how the good shepherd does. He watches us as we, as we feast, and he just goes, you know what? I'm going to take care of your enemies. I'm going to fight for you. I've overcome the world. I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you. So, beloved, listen. In the struggle, he has a meal for you. So sit down and eat. Don't run and eat. Come on, don't eat and run. Have you ever done that before? Like, man, I'm going to hurry. I need to stop by, grab something, driving down the road. You got any road eaters in here? I'm a road eater. Uh-oh. He wants you to pull out the chair, sit across the table, roll your sleeves up, kick back, and eat. Eat, beloved. Eat. Even when all hell is breaking loose, eat. There's a meal for you here. Another custom that would happen when someone was uh, coming to the banquet is they would go and anoint them with oil. Anoint means that they would take oil and they would smear it on the guest. And it was fragrant. It was special. It was, it was an expression of gratitude, of, of grace, just to say, hey, we want you here. And here's some oil because oil is costly. And they would smear that oil on them. And so it's interesting that we see this. He says, he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then he says this, you anoint me, my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. What is the oil. What are we talking about when we're talking about the oil? We are talking about the, several things. First of all, the oil is for healing. Everybody say healing. The oil is for healing. So if a sheep was out, was getting scratched up or beat up by a predator or even another sheep and he'd have those wounds, what a good shepherd would do is he would take that sheep and he would take him out uh, to wherever his little like station was, his little makeshift station there in the wilderness, and he'd get some of that oil, and he just began to apply that oil to those wounds because it was a healing balm, healing agents in that oil. Much of what we see today with, with people in these oils, you know, the people that are always trying to get you on Facebook to, to buy that thing, that kind of like, like those things, you know what I'm saying? And so they're, you know, trying to get you signed up for something. And so it's kind of like those oils. In those days, that's what they used most of the time is they would use these oils with these healing agents in them, and they would apply that on the sheep. In fact, sometimes if, if, if a sheep had a, had a really poor skin condition where they they had, you know, maybe were being infested with, with uh, some kind of parasites or something like that, and their skin was, what they would actually do is they would find a vat big enough and fill that vat up with expensive oil. Listen, oil wasn't cheap. They'd fill that vat up with expensive oil, and they'd take that, that sheep, it has, as uncomfortable as it was, and they'd just take them, and they'd dip them down completely in that oil till they are completely saturated, head and all, just everything, down in that oil, and just saturate them. Why? Because there's healing in that oil. How many know that we serve the healer? 
How many of you know that we serve the healer? 1 Peter 2.24 says this, by his stripes you were healed. Not you're going to be healed or you might be healed. No, no, no. You already were healed. So instead of praying, Lord, I need you to heal me, why don't you just say, Lord, I thank you that you healed me on that cross 2,000 years ago. And, Lord, I receive your healing in my body in the name of Jesus. Check this out. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Come on. Anointed, smeared with oil. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all. You know how many people got healed when Jesus prayed for them? All of them. All of them got healed. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Jesus healed all. Jesus is the healer. And he wants that oil to flow into your life. And when I read this scripture, I think, man, he went around doing that. You know what? He still goes around doing that. He still goes around healing people. He still goes around deep dipping people in oil. Come on, that good shepherd still gets the oil and applies it on our life and frees us from the enemies that, that, have, that have come in and damaged us and cut us up. And he applies the oil. He is the healer. The oil is for healing. Number two, the oil is for debugging. And we talked about this when we were in verse two about how whenever David uses this statement, he says that he anoints my head with oil. I think that he would go out if he saw a sheep out there that was kind of acting crazy because he got a nasal fly or a bot fly and they were inside his nasal cavity and laying eggs and they would just start running around. A good shepherd would know when, when something was wrong. He knew when something wasn't right in the head of his sheep. So he would go and he Grab that sheep, probably by his staff, and pull him in. Grab him in a headlock, come on, and just hold him there and just pour that oil, get that oil, and just start pouring it all over his head till it got up in his sinuses and got up in his eyeballs and got up in his ears and got all over him, totally saturated the head of that sheep until he got rid of all the stuff that was bugging him. The oil is for debugging. The third purpose of the, po- of, of the oil is the oil establishes purpose. You guys, we've all seen The Lion King, right? If you haven't, then, you know, um, welcome to America and welcome to, uh, <laughs> to, to 2000, right? It's 2018. And so in The Lion King, we remember when they took Simba, right? Simba, and they took Simba and they held him up. And that weird dude got up there and he poured, what did he do? He poured the oil on him. Why? Because this was custom, actually in ancient Israel, is probably where they got that from, is that when someone was anointed king, they poured oil on him to say, you have a purpose. You have an assignment for your life. So listen, Jesus is the Cairo, the anointed one in the Greek. That's what Christ means. It's not Jesus, first name, last name, Christ. Leslie uh, had a teacher that, that said that. It's not Jesus. It, it, didn't she say it? It was son of Mary and Joseph Christ. No, no, no. That's not the story. Christ is his identity. It's who he is. Christ, he is the anointed one. He was anointed for his purpose, but that same anointing is on you so you can fulfill your purpose. And did you know, listen, beloved, your purpose looks just like his. Not to save the world from their sins, but to carry out the kingdom of God on the earth. Check this out. Luke chapter 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus, this is speaking of Jesus, right? This is the prophecy. He's declaring it, and he's saying, it's not upon him, it's upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news. Everybody say good news. That's good news. That's not bad news. If anybody ever told you the gospel and it was bad news, that's not good news. 
If it's not good news, it's not the gospel. The good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives would be released. Everybody say freedom. That the blind would see that the oppressed would be set free. If you've been set free today, understand that in the anointing of Jesus, in the purposes of Jesus, there is freedom. He came to set you free. He didn't come to put you in bondage. That's devil ministry. Jesus don't put people in bondage. He sets people free from bondage. So someone brought you in and said, come to Jesus, and it looked like bondage. That wasn't Jesus they were bringing you to. And at the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, we love this. That Jesus didn't come to just fix us with the oil. He came to put the oil on us to establish us in purpose. So that we're not just properly addressed with our sickness and everything's good now, no more bugs. No, 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 no. He put the Holy Spirit on you for purpose. You have a purpose in your life. It's not so you be a multi-billionaire or even be a great family person. Those are great things. There's a bigger purpose. The bigger purpose is expanding the kingdom of God on the earth. That is your purpose. Your purpose, listen, is the same purpose that Jesus had, to set free the captives, to proclaim the good news. This is the anointing that's on you. By the way, it's not a anointing, it's the anointing. There's not like an anointing over here and an anointing. I know we like that word. I know it sounds weird. It just means smearing of the oil, pouring of the oil, oil all over you. You're not anointed for your purpose. You're appointed, anointed for his purpose. Check this out. 1 John 2, 27. Y'all okay? I'm excited. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. Not a anointing, the anointing. It remains in you. You're anointed. Say that. I'm anointed. You are anointed. The kingdom of God flows in and through your life. You have Holy Spirit power. To carry out the works of Jesus. You, what am I anointed for? To look like Jesus. To act like Jesus. That's what you're anointed for. Y'all good? (laughs) Number four. The oil is fragrant. And we mentioned this while ago. When they would bring these people in, they bring them in. Okay, it's time for the banquet. Let me put some cologne on you. Let me clean you up a little bit. It was fragrant. It's a fragrant oil. It was attractive. I I did a little bit of uh, studying about that oil, and, uh, or about the fragrant, the fragrance and the, the sense of smell. And did you know that a lot of people believe, and I actually agree with it, that the strongest sense, the most powerful sense that you have out of your five senses, the strongest is the sense of smell. Because you can smell the cologne that your daddy wore 40 years ago, and you can feel the thing that you felt 40 years ago. And some of you, that's a good smell, and some of it's pungent. Right? Because smell has, there's something that associates and it connect, it's so connected to our brain and our memories and our emotions. The smell. But check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. You smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. You represent Jesus. See, there's there's something about the way that you smell. And we're not talking about physical smelling. Come on, are you with me? We carry the aroma of Christ. That's why you're different than the other employees at the place that you work. There's something about you. What is that, sir? It's the fragrance of Christ. It's the oil of the Spirit. Did you know, beloved, you carry something? 
you carry something in your life, and it's powerful. And you carry that because you have a mandate on your life. You know what a mandate is? A mandate is a purpose. A mandate is a purpose. You have a mandate. See, David said it this way. He said, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Did you know that your mandate is to spill? Your mandate is to spill. See, you're not just anointed so you can feel good. You can experience something in a service. I'm charismatic. I love all that stuff. But we're not anointed to enhance our experience. We're anointed to maximize our effectiveness. God wants you effective. He wants you filled with purpose. He wants you effective. My cup overflows. See, it doesn't just benefit you. It benefits those around you. It doesn't just, when it's overflowing, and see, this, that's been the problem, right? We come to God and we're like, Lord, fill my cup. I, ne- I need you in my life. Just fill my cup. I have this need. Just fill my cup. Fill my cup. Fill my cup. You know what? He doesn't fill cups. He overfills cups. He doesn't just fill cups. My cup runs over. It pours out. It gets all over me. It's like I'm getting dipped in oil. It's getting all over me. Oh, my gosh. It's all over you. My cup runs over. This is what happens. When you start living life connected to the Good Shepherd, when you start allowing the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you know you start enjoying your job that you hate right now? You start enjoying it more? Did you know the mundane becomes your ministry? Years ago, we were in transition. It was a difficult season. And uh, I went to work at Super Target, and I worked at night. We were just kind of an embarrassing situation. I don't really want to go into the details right now, but we're basically released from a job, and I was very, felt, felt a lot of shame. And so I went to work for Super Target, and I was working at nights, work, working nights. I always said I was slaying dragons and vampires, you know, because I was working the night shift. I'd go in at like 11 and get off at like 6. I hated it. And uh, I remember like the first you know, when I was there, I tried to have a good attitude, try to be a good Christian, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I go home, and I was just so miserable. And then you know what? I thought, I thought, you know what? God has me. I still, you know what? I have the same anointing in my life, whether I'm youth pastor or pastor, or I'm stocking boxes at Super Target at three o'clock in the morning. The anointing is still on my life, and so I started seeing myself. You know what? I'm here as God has me here because these people need some oil on them. And so I started investing. You know what? You know what happened? The mundane became my ministry. I hated that job. I didn't didn't work there long. I hated it. But I tell you what, as I started doing that, I started looking a little bit more forward to the people that I worked with. And there's some odd people that work in the middle of the night. Let's just be real. But God brought ministry to the mundane when I decided to let the oil flow. And this is what happens. Lord, we ask, Lord, 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 let the oil fall. Let the oil fall. Let the oil fall. Did you know the oil already fell in Acts chapter 2? Did you know the oil already fell? Now you know how the oil works? It flows. You know where it flows from? 
that flows from that cup that's overflowing. God wants to pour in and through your life. This is what we're all about at Overflow. God wants to encounter you in such a way that it spills. You have the mandate to spill. I got two points of ministry today. Since we kind of had two messages. And the first is this. No matter what you're going through today. No matter what enemies are attacking you. It might be the enemies of addiction. Come on, it might be the enemies of depression. It might be the enemies of sickness. It might be antagonistic enemies, people that are attacking you from either side. It might be family drama, but you know the enemy is present. I just want to remind you today, keep fork in hand. Just keep that fork in your hand. In fact, we're going to give you some forks today. You can use it if you want to. You probably don't want to because it's a cheap fork, but you can put it somewhere and remind you, you know what? I'm going to keep, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it's dark, when the enemies are surrounding me, it's time to eat. I just eat. I just keep fork in hand. I just keep fork in hand. God, it's hard today. I just, I feel so discouraged today. Keep, you just pull out, just, you just eat dirty, eat sloppy. Just keep fork in hand. Just eat what the Lord has provided for you in that moment. And the second thing I feel like that we need to do today as we pass those out. Check this out. Before we move into that, Psalm 8110, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry. Open your mouth and I will fill it. Keep fork in hand. You can die by your enemies or you can feast in front of them. Number two. Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Live under the influence of the oil. You are anointed. Listen, the same anointing. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Did you know, listen, did you know that you have the same anointing that Jesus did? 